The Saline Solution presents Naked, the podcast series that pairs it all, real life experiences, how they were dealt with, and the lessons learned. Facing the person in the mirror always makes us check ourselves, accept our past, and guides us to make the decisions that are best for our peace of mind. Are you naked? Here's your host, Saline Griffith. This podcast is for adults 18 years and over. Hi there, welcome to episode 3 of the Naked Podcast. Of course, you know, I'm always excited to share with you and looking forward to your feedback as usual. Well, we're at episode 3 and uh, depression is my bitch. And you know when you say something is your bitch, (laughs) it's because you control it, you own it. And that's exactly what I do with my depression. Yeah, I've been diagnosed with low-grade depression about eight years ago. And um, first of all, hearing the news that you that you have depression, that in itself is very fucking depressing. But then my therapist did say to me that many people walk around like that, like many people walk around with depression. They just don't know it. They just don't think it's necessary to go and get um, therapy or to go to a psychiatrist to be diagnosed with it. And that's another thing that we need to check out in our society here in the Caribbean, that this can no longer be taboo. I like the conversations that are happening in terms of mental health and mental illness. And my guest for today, Abby Sola Amina, she's actually on the other spectrum of my low-grade depression. And of course, she'll be sharing her story with us today. Uh, We both got naked about the things that trigger us, the things that we do on a daily basis to survive every single day so i hope that uh, these stories will definitely help you if you are in a situation like that or if you know someone who's in a situation like that to really really share it's important to share how you're feeling and that's the only way that you'll be able to you know find the ways to combat it and really make it your bitch so join us in the conversation right now, Abby Sola, Amina and me, as we get naked, talking about depression. Abby Sola, woman to be honored. Yes. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you remember? Of course I remember. I love it. Absolutely See. love it. We are talking about um, depression, um, experiencing it because we both have interactions or both experiencing or experienced or experiencing um, depression in some form or the other. And we know based on what my therapist told me how many years ago, that it's not something that goes away. It's something that you have to learn how to manage. And definitely because of the kind of woman that we are, Depression is definitely our bitch because we are intent on living our best lives. So we want to make sure that we are able to handle it, um, manage it in a way that even though it might rear its ugly head because of life's circumstances from time to time, I will tell you yesterday I had my own um, moments, you know, you're just feeling some sort of a way and it's really... um, it's really something you have to make up your mind to do and, and, and to deal with, to be very, very intentional about. Uh, Avisola, tell us about your journey with depression. And I have to commend you that you have really grabbed it by its horns and said, listen here, motherfucker, I own you. <laughs> um, where, where can I start? Um, um, I actually had a complete like a meltdown and breakdown in 20 it started late 2015 and um, I was eventually diagnosed with major depressive disorder and going through my therapy um, we discovered that um, because a big part of diagnosing a mental illness like depression you have to go back to the roots the beginnings to find out exactly what triggered that what started all of this 
because it started somewhere. So okay. if you could find the root of it, it's, it's easier for you to find a solution and find what works for you to, for you to help you manage. Right. So for me, we discovered I, my symptoms started showing up very young, preteens. Um, I had a traumatic experience when my grandmother suddenly died, my grandmother who raised me. And we believe that's when the, some of the symptoms um, began. And at line 10, um, we did not know these were symptoms in my, like around 13, another traumatic experience happened in my life. And then um, I became, the suicidal thoughts started for the first time. Okay. And so from literally 13 till 40 years old, I had personalities. When I say personal, not personalities, but I had personas, I should say, um, to try to mask and maneuver symptoms of depression that I did not even know were actually symptoms of depression. I thought they were part of my personality. Oh. For example, I was as very, they call it sometime-ish or moody because I had a lot of erratic mood swings and especially around my period cycle, that also triggers a lot of symptoms of depression because of all of the hormonal imbalances that happens during that time, especially for women. Mm-hmm. So. That's where the journey began and me starting to discover what depression is for me and how to manage it. And I eventually found my way to healing. Right, right. But um, I remember when I met you first, you were, I mean, you still are a very highly educated woman and you held a very high position in the organization you were working with. So how were you able to manage that? Um, wow. When I think back, I cannot even imagine how I managed it, to be frank with you, um, because knowing now what I was contending with, um, I honestly, when I call myself my own Shiro, I emerged my own Shiro because now I understood what I felt I was facing and what I had to do to overcome it. So being a, a professional and working in a high-paced and tourism industry, um, it was very tough because, again, I did not know these were symptoms of depression. I just knew that I had low days and um, high days. I had good days and bad days. And I had a lot of those bad days. And because I was in public relations, um, I had to interface with all types of media, all types of personalities and groups. and uh, I had to show up with a smile. And these were on days when I could not get out. I could not even brush my teeth. I could not even comb my hair. But you had to put on the face, put on the makeup, put on the suit, and go to those meetings. And you had to do what you had to do and show up in a hospitality industry with the smile on your face. And there were countless times when, I thank God, we worked on the beach, on on a resort on the beach. So access to the beach was very easy easy for me so that was like my saving grace and these if my co-workers hear about this now they will be very surprised because I showed up and I was there and nobody would know that you know I had time off in between things to take going to the car rush to the closest beach outside of the property and just have a good cry sometimes or have a good talking to myself and then put back your makeup and then you go back to the next meeting or whatever I found ways of releasing myself without having, and I think there's sometimes there were cracks in my armor um, because later on um, when I felt comfortable enough and I found out what was wrong with me, I spoke to some of my coworkers and I asked them honestly, how was it working with me? And some of them were honest enough to tell me there were days when they walk on eggshells. There were like most days I'm great. But there were times when they felt they had to walk on eggshells because they were not sure what, what part of my personality would show up on that day. And it made me feel, it made me feel bad um, that, but I had to understand, and that's one of the things, people that are managing symptoms of, me- uh, of depression or other types of mental illness, we tend to blame ourselves a lot for yes. our symptoms. Yes. Unlike somebody who has a, has physical symptoms, for example, somebody who is 
who who's um, managing diabetes um, or diabetic symptoms, for example, they will not feel they blame themselves sometimes. Well, sometimes you can because if you don't eat right, but I'm just saying generally you don't blame yourself for your physical symptoms. However, somehow people who are struggling with mental illness, you tend to want to blame yourself for your symptoms. And, um, and that's one of the ways that we stigmatize against our own selves. That's true, because I remembered in my own experience, um, at first, when I went to see the, 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 the therapist now, there was a time I'm in the office then as I was telling a colleague of mine, I said, I feel like a bird with a broken wing. I feel as though I don't know what to do next. And I'm normally someone who's very, you know, bubbly personality. I still do have that very bubbly personality. So people take for granted that you don't have bad days. And when I have my bad days, I tend to just say to myself, or people might say, oh God, what to this? She get on like a bitch. You're on your period or what? And these kinds of things. And yes, as you said before, you go, you have your um your menstrual cycle taking place. And I naturally have mood swings where that is concerned. Every woman does. Some some know how to manage it better than others, right? <laughs> and so I just found that I had a lot of negative self-talk. Because I oftentimes say, but why is it that this person is feeling like this around me and um, I don't mean anything by it. So I ended up saying to my colleague, I said, I really don't, I mean, I didn't have suicidal thoughts, but for me, I knew something was wrong. Something was off and I was going through a difficult time because I had just lost my mom or no, it was around the time when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so I really, really, that was a time where you thought you were dealing with everything logically. But when I went to my doctor, my normal GP, he said to me, you need stuff for anxiety or something. He said, because you are moving as though you're normal. He said, but these things really do take a toll on you. And it's really where you have to make up your mind. So when I went to this, um, the psychiatrist, very, very expensive psychiatrist here, um, at first she said it's codependency. When I started to give her my life story and that kind of thing. And we didn't have that much of a difficult childhood per se, just that my father was alcoholic and we were uncomfortable most of the time at home when he, we don't know if he's going to come home drunk. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, so it, it really had a toll on me. Uh, and then you have children, you have work and I couldn't identify what the triggers were. And we don't know, you see in our society in the Caribbean here, this is not something that people look at as a medical issue. They tend to look at this as, oh gosh, what's wrong with you? Or some people might say you have a spirit on you or something like that, you know, but it's really, really um, a medical condition, just like, as you said before, diabetes or any other physical medical condition that you can get uh, medication for, right? And so when I went to see the therapist, a few sessions after she says you have low grade depression so i'm like you're using depression in the same sentence with me i don't feel depressed it's just sometimes i have a bad day but what she did say to me is a lot of people walk around with depression we just don't know it we just think we're stressed we just think something is is wrong with you you tend to say it's you are the problem when really and truly it's something that can be treated still marvel on the fact that your depression has a mental it's a mental issue but yet you're you have such a strong mind abisola to know that you can still show up to work every day in your capacity i still marvel at that because to me that is somebody who really is taking a handle on life even though you have a major challenge in front of you and i know that you had the situation where you had moved to the states tell us about that well, um, one of the things that I just to piggyback on something you just said so I can move on. Um, one of the misconceptions that people have about depression specifically is that they have a, a picture of what depression looks like based on what the media has projected or what mental illness looks like. True. So when somebody with a personality like 
here so, um we are very personable we are the life of the party we we are we could capture people when we speak or whatever um people don't tend to want to believe that that same person can actually suffer with symptoms of depression it's very difficult for people to understand that um so that's one of the, the that's one of the reasons why I go hard the way I go with telling my story and showing the images that I showed, especially the stock images of when I I ballooned to almost two hundred and fifty pounds to now becoming my my normal size and everything else and what it took to to do that. So speaking of the mental toughness and everything, I think I've always been tough, and I think that was the struggle for me is that. The, the the same thing that I'm strong at is the same thing that I am fighting or is my biggest challenge, which is my mind. I know I have a strong mind. However, I have a mental illness that I am battling. So I am between two worlds and I'm caught in the middle. And I'm always trying to figure out how to balance the two. And it's been very difficult. Um, but to answer the question of how I end up in the States, well, I... I was at my last show that we spoke about um, earlier for nearly over little five years. I can't remember now. It's been a while. Um, over five years, I think it was. And um, the job was a great job and everything else. But I started becoming more and more dissatisfied um, within myself and wanted, I felt as if I was not fulfilling my, my dreams. It was a great job, but it was not what I really wanted to be passionate. And um, writing is my passion, and I always felt I had a story to tell, and I want to be able to use my words and my skill to be able to tell stories that, in a way, that could reach anyone. I don't care where you where you come from, as long as I can tap into our emotions or what make us the same, I'm able, I think, to tell a story. So I really wanted to pursue that dream, and I felt writers tend to have a lot of experience or tend to need a lot of experience to be able to write effectively about any subject matter. So a lot of the things that I, I care about is um, life experiences and talking about the struggles. Because when I was going on and growing up, we don't have a lot of mentorship or mentors in the Caribbean, in our communities. So you tend to fend for your own self. So yeah. from young, I had to learn to fend for myself. Especially if you, I was always very ambitious and I always saw like a big future for myself, despite my surroundings or my background, where I was born and everything else. None of those things took away from the fact that I knew that I was, I wanted to do or something significant with my life. And I think that was always my driving force. So I left my job to pursue that writing um, dream and to start um, a writing really wanted to do so I moved there to pursue that and uh, almost immediately upon finishing a writing course I started feeling unwell because it took a lot to to do all of that and live in a, in a new environment in a fast-paced city like a tough city like New York it's not easy you know yeah. it was also it's one yeah, it's one thing as you go there on vacation and you stay there for a couple of weeks and you head back to your home, but it's a different thing when you're there in the rigors and the, the toughness of the city. You can't go if you're not prepared um, or if you're not equipped for it. And I think that I going there, I was already shaken from my last job. I had all this stuff that I was battling through and I, and I still felt that I could go, I could take more. And I am myself in an even tougher set of circumstances. And I think that I overdid it. And my mind says, you know what? My body says, everything collectively says, said, enough. It's time for you to take care of yourself. We cannot go on anymore. And I became really suicidal. And I knew I was in trouble. I was at a train station. And I literally hear myself saying, jump jump and I literally had to hold on to a railing for the train pass in order for me to prevent myself from jumping and I knew trouble when I started getting those real forceful thoughts to end my life because it became too unbearable even though I smile yeah, it is only for a while my tears fill the river now, but I sweep my troubles underneath my pride yes I'm gonna smile 
it took a while, you know, to gather myself. It's been a long and tough journey. Mental illness is not a joke. Depression is a bitch. You have to be a bigger bitch um, for you to be able to handle that shit. I'm not going to lie. Um, so it is important if you are, and I want to speak directly to someone, anyone who is in the throes, in the battle, because when you are in the middle of that thing, especially when you have a major breakdown where you, your reality is completely shattered and you're not even sure what is real, what is your voice, what is not you, it becomes a mess in there and you're, it's almost like your brain becomes and when, when they give the analogy of the wires being crossed and all of that, these are real analogies because that's how it really feels. Mm. And um, you feel disconnected from yourself. So mm. when you're in that space, it's very difficult for you to stay grounded or stay in touch with people around you. So I want to talk to people at that stage. And I want to remind you that you need to find one thing one major thing, I don't care if it was something that you, dream, you dreamt of when you were a child, then you thought it, find a why, a very strong why, a reason that if for some reason you miraculously get out of this situation you're in right now, that dark space, that emptiness you're in right now, that it could be a little light to shine your path along the way to, until you get out of it. And that's what I had to do for myself. And the way I did it was when I was in a mental institution for 10 days, I was completely out of it and medication, the whole thing. And I remember at, at the end of every session, the weekly sessions that we had, they tend to ask us because again, I was suicidal. They asked us to write down um, reasons that we'd like to person to continue um, fighting. And I remembered I wrote specifically several things, but one of the, the, the things that I had for wanting to get out of my situation, not only for me to be a healthy person and for me to have complete control over my life and especially my mind, but I wanted something else, something that seemed impossible at the time to myself. If I could be this and I could get out of it, I want to... to especially in the Caribbean where we are neglected. Mental health is neglected. There are very limited, no support for mental health patients and people who are struggling mentally. Mm -hmm. And it's necessary since I, have, I was going through it and I was in a where I was getting the right treatment and I saw exposed to so many different therapies and ways. And I'm like, if I could take that, knowledge back home and share it with others mm -hmm. and the uh, base of mental illness and not be ashamed because that's what that's what caused us to stay and die in silence yeah it's because we are too ashamed to tell others because of the that stigma. is true you know that is so true because um, we know that the conversation has started in the caribbean we have where people are now getting on board and realizing that mental health is or and mental illness is something that is really really real and um prior to that we would have heard um the child just giving trouble why does he behaving like that or why is she behaving like that why would you want to kill yourself you have so much going for you but people don't know that inner struggle that is going on and i mean it's it's, it's different stages for many people because some people may not get to that advanced stage and um or when you detect it it's still sometimes in the early detection, it still will progress because it's something that's happening naturally for you. And uh, it's really, how does one acknowledge that? How do you, you, you see, you knew what it is you wanted. You wanted to get out of that space, but there are those who will deny it. And how do we get that conversation started with someone who is behaving in a certain way and yet they don't want to believe they themselves don't want to understand that they have a mental illness or their mental health is at risk you know um it's really about conversations and sharing real stories like yours oftentimes you'll find a lot of situations where ad campaigns are going to tell you about the things to expect and they polish it up because it's an ad campaign right and you don't get the nitty-gritty of what someone actually experienced 
and the fact that your work now you're spending so much time doing this and really doing the practices to get yourself in a space or keep yourself in a space because i know the part with um putting on a lot of weight eating eating incessantly sometimes we have different ways that we try to cope some people smoke some people drink some people eat some people um do things to other people which is very very unfortunate they try to do things to themselves you, you know where we have situations with people who cut so they may not necessarily go into this the realm of yeah. attempting suicide there are cutters there are people who will just inflict pain on themselves not necessarily cutting but you just inflict pain on yourself and that's their coping mechanism for whatever it is conversation is going on in the mind but really and truly i wish that we have more uh, facilities in the caribbean that encourage people to go and get themselves checked out where mental health is concerned because it doesn't necessarily have to be depression it could just be that you're having a difficult time dealing with a situation that really um threw you off your, your rockers i remember in 2016 i lost my job and i couldn't believe one that i could lose my job two how the fuck are you going and see about my two children three how am i going to support my life because it's like what is going on how is this happening i lost weight like in the space of about a week or two i would have i, I would say that I, I dropped some pounds but it was an unhealthy weight loss you know and for me it's it's more of a situation of finding ways to cope absolutely um coping well the first question how do we have the conversation when somebody want to acknowledge or even agree that they have the symptoms or displaying some of those symptoms it's very difficult this person is not self-aware or or they're not ready to admit it because yeah. if you're not even and as a as a that's the first thing you, like everything else before you can heal it accept it you have to acknowledge it so it's very difficult if they don't acknowledge it um and at the time um families have people committed because they themselves because again it's a mental illness remember they sometimes disconnect mentally so they cannot they are not even able to become self aware or to agree that they do have those symptoms um and that's why sometimes they have to have external intervention to help people that are who are severe severely showing symptoms and they feel that they need help so but you could help people honestly who is willing and who is willing to do but when you're dealing with a men type of mental illness you have to do the work even when you go to the therapist or you go to counseling mm -hmm. they don't really tell you what to do you talk about your circumstance reveal through you again your story reveal reveal the circumstances that you're dealing with and then that they will unearth with you what's happening but in the go home and do the work is your life That's so right. unless you're accountability and I'm be honest with you you cannot force anybody because this is a fight for your life your fight for your mind and if you're not ready to fight for yourself to the bitter end and as we said be the bigger bitch mm -hmm. then you will not be able to overcome it and come on to sit there and make people feel as if this is a battle Well, you have to be willing to fight and do what it takes for you to get out of it because That's this right. is serious. This yeah. is not you start to the end and you say you're depressed casually and then tomorrow you go out, you have a, a glass of red wine and then you're okay tomorrow. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the ones where you are unable to function. It takes away your ability to even be present with your family and those kinds of things. You need better ways of coping and you need you need to be able to acknowledge that you have those issues for you to be able to first of all tackle it and find the solutions that's true you know that is true and you spoke about family so, there having a, a support group is a, a support system is very um that's very very critical as well people who in your family can understand what you're experiencing and be able to support and not necessarily be a crutch because some people might want to look at you as okay I I have to do everything for you I have to make sure and watch every move that you make 
but as you rightfully said abisola it's really a situation where you have to make up your mind that this is what i want for myself it's, it's a fight it's a fight for you and there's no easy that's no easy task that's no easy task hmm. I think a lot of close friends and family um, take what their loved ones go through or take it for granted. Especially again, we do not self, we do not um, show physical symptoms. A lot of the symptoms are invisible symptoms. It's subjective. It's the person who's going through it. Who's, so you cannot see when a person is like, okay, for example, one of the things that I had to struggle with a lot is the low fatigue. I have very low energy and I'm, I've, have chronic fatigue all the time hmm. and um and because of that some days i just cannot get out of bed i want to there are things that i want to do i'm dying to go to the beach i'm dying to be productive but my mind and my body is working together and they're saying you're not going anywhere today and there's nothing it's almost like sometimes there's nothing you can do you just have to give in and surrender to it but there are some days where you have to fight and say, no, not today. I will find a strength somehow. Mm -hmm. Do not mm -hmm. underestimate when you see, don't call them lazy. Don't say, get up and do something, especially when they're really trying and, um, and um, they've not been able to do so. So there's a lot of things that families can say and do that could further break you and make you isolate even more mm. or sharing um, the truth about illness because of those kinds of reactions that yeah. people not understand but what about your family in terms of how they dealt with it when they found out because um you said in at, at age 13 that was your first real encounter with depression and um how have they been able to cope is it that they had to be counseled as well um, I, I'm telling you, I am so grateful for my family, um, and being able to have the support that I have had. My mom specifically, um, she's been wonderful. It's almost like she came out guns blazing hmm. and days when I wanted to give up, I literally would tell her, I do not have the strength to do this anymore. I just, I, it's like, I can't. I'm and she would know you we have to do this it's almost like we were fighting this together yeah. and having that type of support and on the days where you really want to give up imagine there were days when i was i went past the ideation phase of suicide because there is the phase where they call it the ideation phase where you think about it but you're not serious about taking action mm -hmm. but when you get to the point where you are literally making a plan and thinking of the day and googling stuff and that's when you know you it's escalating and you're getting closer to that danger zone where you can actually um, execute that plan mm -hmm. and i remember i was at that danger zone planning away and honestly celine the only person i love my family the only person that kept me from doing this was the thought of my mom mm -hmm. losing me and uh, what I knew it would have done to her, to be frank with you. Yeah. So having that person to work so hard for you, it's almost like you feel guilty for wanting to take your because you're like, this person is going so hard and they want you to, to be there. So if they want you to be there so much, that means that possibly yeah. you're a good person for them to want you around or you loved because these are the things that you tell yourself or your illness tells you, you're not worthy. You don't, you, you, you're not loved, you're better off dead. You are, um, especially I became a dependent. I, I'm still a dependent. I have not been able to work or capable of keeping a job since 2016, my breakdown. So mm -hmm. having a family supporting you is guilty because there's a time I'm guilty and saying, boy, it's time for me to go off. And I tried prematurely to go look and my family had to say, no, I know you're trying to help, but you're not helping by going out there too prematurely and breaking down again. We have you. When you have that kind of support, and I don't have that kind of support, mm -hmm. and you still have to find your way despite. Yeah. And also, when you do, if you do have that type of support, 
it still takes you to do the work. And that's what I want to em- emphasize. Mm-hmm. What I want to emphasize, even if you do have the support, still have to do the take you and your mind and strengthening okay. yourself internally to be able to come all of those voices and take control of your life again. girlfriend who um she's been diagnosed with i can't remember exactly what it is now but it has something to do with um it's not bipolar i can't remember exactly what her condition is but she's on heavy medication borderline personality disorder it could be that yeah because girl there was a time we went out all of us went out together and uh, i don't know if it's something i said we went to a movie I don't know if I said something that triggered her. This is before she started medication and all of that, right? And uh, we are standing in the foyer area there of the movie theater. And uh, I turned around only to, see, <laughs> only to see a handbag coming my way. So she picked up her handbag to hit me with it. And I was like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> Up to now, and, and I mean... I, I brought her to the place with me, but I was so scared. But I didn't want to get angry with her because I knew something was wrong. It, this is before she was even diagnosed, huh? um, Abisola. So I said to myself, this is not about you. I don't even know what I did. Because I think all of us were there having a good time or whatever. I don't know what I did specifically to get a cut ass in movie down, but okay. But I told my other girlfriend, I said, I am not driving her home. <laughs> I am not driving her home because I'm very uncomfortable in case, like, you know, she pulls the steering wheel because I found it was so impulsive. And I've never seen her like that before. Generally, she's a very calm person, right? She too left her very, very, because um, she's, she's a professional. And uh, she left her job and, and was just doing these mundane things to get by, right? So we were all there for her. We still are all there for her. But um, at some point, there was an intervention where she needed to go to see a psychiatrist eventually because everybody was like, nah, something is definitely wrong here. You know, and um, so she's on medication now. And with the medication, that causes her to put on a whole lot of weight. So she has those issues to deal with. So she spends a lot of time by herself. So where you see you would have the family support of well the support of your mom, which is very sure. Um, for her, if we don't check in, and I don't know what other family members that she has that are staying the course with her, because her both parents passed on, right? And that too was contributory because she had to deal with that also. But seeing her now, even if we get together, she will just be there in a trance. You're just staring straight ahead. And this is medication doing this too. Where you said earlier that, yeah, you would go to counseling, you would go to the therapist, right? And they would either give you medication or give you things to do. It's the individual who has to say, this is what I want to do for myself. And I remember that you, um, I saw on your Facebook pages, you, you shared your journey with social media, right? And I found out it was so, and I hope many people get to um, see your journey and understand how very serious um, mental health is and how very serious this i wouldn't want to call it a struggle but i want to call it something that how intentional you have to be about saving yourself and you see exactly the image that you painted of your friend on medication when i was in the mental hospital for 10 days it was a an eye-opener for me because although i i i was suicidal i saw people that were in fans stages than I was. At least I was still lucid and I was still able to participate in the classes and my medication was not like crazy. It was just antidepressants and some, you know, other uh, sleeping stuff. Right. But I was thinking where young people that were much younger than myself and these were talented musicians. When you speak to them, talented artists, like world people like minds for some reason are in this place medication where and that's what really woke me up that's what i said you know i said you know what i have to find a way to heal myself without me 
going down that rock, sitting in a room, and they're blank, completely blank mm-hmm. out, completely zoned out. And I started to feel so sorry. Like, no matter what, it was a wake-up call. I said, no matter what, you are not a stage of life, that illness. Whatever you have to find for you to not have to depend on medication for the rest of And they kept on saying to me, and that's why I'm a very defiant person naturally. I'm a, re- a rebel in my heart by nature. I think that's part of the reason why I'm the way that I am and I'm able to go through tough shit in life and still end up surviving that. Yes. Is because I, I don't take no stuff. Mm. So when, even when the doctors would tell, and I know the power of what you allow to ab- absorb into your, your, your spirit or into your mind. Mm-hmm. So even when the doctors or the, psycholo- the psychiatrists especially used to tell me that I'm going to be have to be on medication for the rest of my life. I used to smile to them and say internally, hell no, I am not. Are you kidding? I am not. That is you saying that, but that's not my reality. So I knew I was even fighting even while I was in the system, even while I'm being told those things about my diagnosis, mm-hmm. a part of me did not want to be, um, accept all of it to yeah. be the complete truth. I felt that I was able somehow to fight this even when I did not know. Um, but yeah. eventually I found my way of, of finding it. Yeah, that's important because I remember the, the psychiatrist gave me some medication as well. I call them my happy pills. And I looked at the dosage and I said, but it's only 20 milligrams. So it's really a low dosage. I was like, why do I even need to take it? What I know is that I have low grade depression and therefore there are things that I need to do to make sure that I am feeling okay when the dates come. I have to do maybe a little extra than other people, but it's not about a comparison. It's about me really being present and and going after my life's goals because at the end of the day, I'm only responsible for me. Yes. So when I say only responsible for me, I mean like I can only control what happens with me. And so it has to be a, a stage where you make up your mind you make up your mind from that point on going and, and there will be times because it feels as though it's up and down sometimes. There'll be days when you're like, I'm not feeling to do this now. Like as I, as I said earlier yesterday, I did nothing all day yesterday. For the one thing, I was really tired. I was really, really tired. And I think that's when it leads, one thing leads to the other. There's a little, there's always this little, little trigger that you end up saying, you know what? Um, I've re- I realize I'm going into a zone and I try to pull myself out of it quickly. You know, um, I really try not to give it life because it will, it, that, that thing, it just, it, it just magnifies. It just starts growing in a short space of time, you know? And, and you spoke about your diet some time ago in our conversation. Some time ago, you spoke about your diet and you, you had to change your entire lifestyle and that helped you and some of your practices, it all, it's all, those are the things that also helped you. And these are things that you thought of yourself to save your own life, you know? So everybody's journey is different. And everybody has a really, if you love yourself that much, and I must say, you have a certain degree of self-love <laughs> to want to uh, find these things. number one strategy in 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 coping with my or managing my depressive symptoms is that i take things one day at a time one second at a time one minute at a time i have like um, long-term goals but i focus on the long-range goals i focus on my daily minute by minute seriously by hour that's how i take life now Mm -hmm. um and it's important because especially when you're recovering or managing depressive symptoms it's important always in tune with your body and with yourself with your emotions because these are the things that you are trying to manage and keep balance mm-hmm. so living or, or practicing mindfulness is important and mindfulness is basically staying in the present moment and you keep focus on what is happening right there so if you're speaking to someone you put your phone down and you pay attention to your surrounding to pay attention to what the person is saying to you and not being distracted by everything else right. because what happens when you ask you are more in tune with yourself um when you stay in the present and you are able to um 
catch yourself because you are now paying attention. You are not focused all over the place. You have to pay attention to what your mind is saying. Somebody's talking to you and they say something, they rubbed you the wrong way. Before, you would just react to something like that because you are not paying attention. You're distracted. Yeah. And the person yeah, yeah, just yeah. says something. For example, in your friend's situation, where it could have just been something you said, you know, that happened to me before. And um, you, the person who is, like the person who is managing those symptoms will completely be triggered, not by by something you said, but nothing that had to do with you. It could have been something that happened a few hours ago, True. but yeah. something you said triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm saying all of this, but when you are staying in the present and you are being mindful of yourself and your surroundings, and it has helped me a lot, and, and it's through meditation also, by the time you somebody triggers you or says something that rubs you the wrong way because you are aware of it you will take a deep breath and now you can think and say okay how am I going to deal with this and then you decide what action to take whether you ignore it whether you walk away blah 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 but when you're not present and not paying attention to your emotions to how things affect you you react instead of you know being active and and dealing with things that way going to the diet for me a friend of mine actually at the time um, was going through her own self-healing journey and um, she was healing herself through herbs and, and by becoming um, a plant-based vegan. Right. So she told me tremendous results and suggested that um, why don't I go on the same path or journey with her and she will kind of guide me along and so forth. And I, when I uh, moved back home, that's when I was still away, when I moved back home, um, I decided again, I would do it and uh, I did not rush into it. And that's important. Take your time. You, yeah. you, this is something you've been mostly, some of us been battling all of our lives. And sometimes we think in a few months, in a year, we are so impatient with ourselves yeah. and we think we can um, fix or heal stuff, have baggage and stuff that we have for 40 years and 30 years and 20 and 10 and three years. But we want overnight just to miraculously have a new life and a new brain and a new body. Yeah. It does not work that way. And um, at the journey, a lot of times you do not have the self-love. You do not have the self-worth. You are, that's some of the things that you're battling. But it's as you every day take steps, decisive, intentional steps towards your journey or towards your goals, you start, the more you do it, the more you start having self-respect the more you start having self-love and the more you start respecting yourself more because you're doing things to make yourself feel honorable, to make yourself feel like, okay, I'm doing this for me because I need to do it for me to feel better. Not about what this person will think, not about what one will do, but yes. how is it going to help me manage my symptoms? That's true. There are some situations where people, yeah, life is going on because you have to do things simultaneously. You have to try and manage depression or try to sustain your mental health, but you have life still going on. At least you were able to take a step back and your family is telling you no, but what about the woman or the man who is the person in the family who wants to take care of the, the rest of the family and they're the ones experiencing that. They really, that person really would need like a buddy. They'll need somebody to be there with them all the time because it's, it's really a, a situation where they can flare up at any point in time. Any little thing could trigger it off for them, but they have dependence. They are the ones with the dependence and not the dependent, you know? So. I really hope that uh, many organizations, not just the governments, but many organizations in society as they're getting more and more aware of mental health and mental illness. And the, the fact that it's something that's clinical, um, that we continue the conversation, man. Um, tell our listeners how they can find you because I know you're doing a lot of great work in terms of sharing and um, helping other people who are experiencing similar um, situations like you. Uh, and uh, many of us. So share with um, share with my listeners what um, how they can find you on social media to interact with you. 
Sure. I, I started a, um, a Facebook support group for mental health. It's called Let's End the Mental Health Stigma Now. Mm -hmm. um, you could find me on Facebook. And also I have a Facebook page called The Mental Health Minute. It showcases um, this mental health um, videos and tips on how to, on self-care tips on how to take care of yourself mentally. And on Instagram, um, The Mental Health Minute and uh, my personal um, Instagram is at amina.abisola. Mm -hmm. So that's how you get me on. Oh, and our YouTube channel, Let's End Mental Health Stigma Now. Let's, let's end the mental health stigma now. That's the YouTube channel. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Abisola, for chatting with us. And of course, we continue to wish you all the success as you continue climbing higher and higher. I know it's, it's really great work that you're doing, um, not just for yourself, but you're definitely helping many, many others by your own, your own journey. And thank you for sharing that with us as well. Love how she said you have to be the bigger bitch. <laughs> Abby Sola Amina, really lovely, lovely, lovely soul. And thank you so much for sharing with us today. And uh, you can find Abby Sola on Facebook and Instagram, Abby Sola Amina. I will also share the handles on this podcast link so that you'll be able to easily find her. Uh, so much good work that she's up to. I want to also say thank you to my editing boss, Babe, Cam Cam Productions, for always lending her services and her assistance in terms of editing for me. So thank you guys very, very much. Feel free to share your comments and your feedback. Check me out on The Saline Solution on Facebook, uh, The Saline Solution, each word separated by underscores on Instagram as well. Always happy to hear from you. Remember to always be a good human. Cheers.